Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, episode 41. Today, I'm welcoming Catherine Jo Wakeham to the podcast. Catherine is the brilliant branding mind behind Crim Brands. She and her team are the creators behind the Zimmerman brand and our many, many websites. I can't wait to have Catherine on Zimmerman Podcast for four mini episodes where she's going to share her branding and business wisdom and insights with each of you. Today, Catherine and I are talking about Zimmerman and Krim Brands partnership, how we started working together, and what it takes to create a strategic brand. Catherine is so kind and insightful. I'm beyond thankful that I can share her with you all today. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Okay. Welcome, Catherine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Wonderful. So guys, this is Catherine Jo Wakeham. She is, gosh, everything uh, for me. I feel like you have developed my website. You've done my branding. I don't know where we would be without you. (laughs) I really have no idea. I want to start by just telling people how we met and how we got to work together and then kind of get a tiny background about you and, um, and your business, Krim Brands. And, and then we can go into talking about strategic branding. We are going to have four mini episodes with Catherine where we are kind of breaking down branding, which is going to be super, super helpful. I'm really excited, but Catherine, how I remember us meeting is I just remember I was on Instagram and I would get these comments from Krim Brands that was so, they were so kind and just nice. And I remember clicking on your profile and seeing your feed and everything and being like, she looks so nice. What does she do? You know, and then seeing that you did branding and websites and all of that. And so you just were, we kind of became Instagram admirers, I would say, of one another at the beginning. Just there's, there's, you know, you want to follow people that you find uplifting and that, you know, uh, motivate you. And you were definitely one of those people for me. And I remember thinking it would be my dream to work with you and that I, who knows if I'll ever get to, but I, it would be my dream. And so whenever I finally got to a place where I could invest in, um, in a, in, in you, what, what do you say you are? Like, what is your role? What is your uh, title? that you give yourself? Normally, it depends. If I'm like just telling someone outside the creative industry, I just say, oh, I'm a graphic designer. And then if my best friends are nearby, they'll be like, oh, no, you're you're more than that. So we do wear several hats. It's myself and then a couple other girls on our team. But we really do everything from strategy to design to implementation. So that means website, collateral, foundational SEO, we really try to go from, you know, everything from understanding what's your business model all about to helping you make that more high impact for people that see you online. 
I was going to say, you do so much more than graphic design. Like it, it is so much more. I mean, you really made me understand branding in a whole new way. And I still probably don't fully grasp it in the level that you do, but you really made me, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a process. It's very, it's almost like writing in a diary or a journal. I mean, you have to really think internally, you know, about what, what you're representing or what you want to put out there. And I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I could have gotten there without your help. Um, so I'm so, so grateful for you, but uh, Catherine has done all of my websites. She has done Zimmerman events, Zimmerman education, Zimmerman podcast, and now jessicazimmerman.com. She just, uh, did jessicazimmerman.com and, and it's just gone live. So we're excited about that. And, yeah, you can just see the, just the consistency and probably even for you, like after you did it the first time with Zimmerman events and we, and we went through the work, right? Like we really did the foundational work of branding and color and font and all that. It is probably in a way made each additional site that you've done a little bit easier, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. When you lay the foundation, when you go through a strategic process, that's going to see you through even the evolution your business takes. So you're going to, of course, grow and change as an individual. You know, since the time that we did our initial branding for Zimmerman events, just think, I think like the whole content of your book that you're just releasing, you were actually living through that and, you know, going through those days, that journey. So of course you've changed and grown, but what hasn't changed, I think, is your core. Your core is a person, what you value who you want to be for your family and for the people that you work with. And so while I think that that mission can kind of morph and grow a little bit to different applications, maybe you start something for an original why, as Simon Sinek would say, you know, start with why, like his book title, but then maybe eventually that why gets carried into different what's. And so it's been amazing to see how you evolved, Jessica, going from floral designer to educator to speaker, to author. And yet I still see that same thread of who your brand is, speaking of you as a businesswoman, seeing that that is still really consistent. So it just made sense for the visuals to continue building upon each other versus creating confusion and trying to position you as something totally different every time you did something new. Instead, we were able to build upon trust and build upon the recognition of who you've consistently been. Mm, thank you for saying that. I think what one of the things I really learned from you is brand equity and how once you're able to really establish your branding, you when you do it correctly, when you actually do the foundational work, you it, it, it does have longevity. You do. Lo- I mean, you and I worked together years ago and we are still using the same, you know, uh, building blocks that we originally did every time. And I I am now a a crazy multi-hyphenate. I mean, you just named all the different freaking roles I'm doing. I mean, different jobs I've had from floral (laughs) designer to wedding planner to author to podcast, whatever. But it's it's all over the place. But the brand stays uh, consistent. And I think anybody who was with me doing weddings and now they see the book, even the book sleeping with a stranger, which you can learn more about that at sleeping with a stranger.com. But Catherine did, uh, it was very important to me. And this is kind of a crazy story, but I called you and I try to be really respectful and only email, but, um, life sometimes gets crazy and I feel urgency and, and I call, but I called you and I said, Hey, I, I, I got this book and I, 
was going to see if you could do the cover because it was very important to me that someone who was a student of mine in the wedding education world or whatever, if they went to Barnes and Noble and they saw this book, that there was some sense of familiarity to it. You know what I mean? That they were able to to go, oh, I recognize those colors or that font or that that style or that, you know what I mean? I didn't want, and the, and the publishing group I was working with, they wanted their own person to do it. And I really fought and was like, no, I'm not letting anyone else do this. Catherine has to do it. So even that was really interesting. And then you even said to me that that's what you used to do. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, that was first of all, that was just a huge, huge compliment. Um, I was actually on vacation. And it was like, the best thing that happened to me all day was hearing that you were going to write a book. And that you wanted to have me be involved in that on any level was just such a big compliment, Jessica. And I've loved working with you over the years so much. But yeah, I did start my journey in design as a book cover designer. And that's really all about first impressions that are hopefully carried through the actual pages of the book. So I mean, visually, but even in terms of content, you want there to be alignment between the actual message and then that cover. That's what's going to pique your interest, get you intrigued as you're strolling a bookstore or as you're on the Audible app, kind of scrolling down through bestsellers or recommended titles. You want a cover that's going to be consistent with what you're hopefully going to experience. And it's funny because branding is so much the same. A lot of times someone sees your logo before they even meet you, before they have a conversation with you. And you want to make sure that what you're putting out there about your service or product-based business aligns with what they're really going to experience. Mm -hmm. So I have just a couple more questions. Then we're going to dive into the actual content of what we're talking about today. But were you as as a kid or growing up, were you really observant? Did you notice things? Like what made you go into, because uh, it's such a detail-oriented job, you know what I mean? Like what made you go in that direction? But it's also very creative. It's it's kind of half and half. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like you just explained it so well. Um, now I feel like I'm going to know how to talk about what I do a little bit better to people. But yeah, I guess as a kid, I was maybe kind of like a dreamer, like probably like a lot of people that are listening to this now that have gone on to grow up and start ventures of their own or have side hustles, things like that. So I'm sure I was really similar to a lot of people in that way. But also I think my uh, growing up was maybe a little different because I was homeschooled in a time that it wasn't as common as it is now. Um, So I had a lot of time just like with my own thoughts and like observing, like you said, observing people, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of also, I think feeling a little bit like an outsider because I was homeschooled, which now it's so common, so normal. But I think for me, I worked really hard as a child to understand people and to understand like what was important to them. And I was just so fascinated to me. It was like, oh, these kids are all in school together. They're all friends. Little did I know that I grew up eventually and understood like, oh, everyone feels awkward in middle school. That wasn't, that wasn't just me, you know, but um, I think for me, it really did cultivate, I guess, that attention to detail and interest in people. And that's definitely where branding starts is listening to someone and understanding not only their personal story, because that would be more just personal branding solely, but even doing branding for a business understanding, okay, what is it that really matters to this business? Obviously, bottom line, but then what are the different things that feed into that bottom line? What makes this brand more valuable than another? 
what positions them differently than other options on the market. So I guess I have a lot of curiosity and it's really fun getting to dig into people with that. Want to know the first step to booking more clients? You've got to have a website and not just any website, but a site built to book. If you're just starting your business, you're probably wondering how you can share about your work, gain clients, and start making money. The answer to all of these things is your website. When I first started my business, I didn't have the money to pay a professional brand expert to create the brand you see here today, but I didn't have to. I used the resources I had to invest in my business and create a brand that would attract the type of client I wanted to work with, supported by a website that was built to transform searching brides into lifelong clients. If you want a simple guide to how to create a site that books without having to invest thousands in a branding expert before you're ready, you need a winning website. To learn more, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash website. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash website. But you're exactly right. It is all about listening. Like that's the number one criteria, I would say that you'd have to have in your position. And I think that, gosh, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. I, it's amazing for that you are able to take my ramblings or, or what I write down and, and, and really get inside my head and create something visually that I would never be able to create. But then I look at it and I feel at home. Does that make sense? Like I remember the first time I saw the Z logo that you created. Um, Catherine did a, uh, how would you describe the, the Z? Yeah. At the time you were talking about, you had this vision, this long-term vision outside of wedding planning, even at the time, it was like, you knew kind of what you were destined for already. Cause I remember you talking about, okay, I'm not entirely sure, but I know I'm going to have other arms of my business. And so when I did the Z, I was just playing around with the concept of weaving together different threads and how when you weave multiple threads together, there's greater strength in that kind of cord. So it's a very like modern interpretation of it, which stylistically, that's where we were headed. But it's been so cool to see that actually come to fruition for you in your business. But that was kind of my thought, which I don't think anyone would necessarily look at that and think that. But that's kind of what led me to that, I guess, very recognizable symbol that Jessica has now. Well, I just, I love it because when I saw it, it was, it, it was strong. Like that's what it reminded me of. I was just like, this is a strong symbol and I didn't want anything like super girly or, you know, feminine. I just wanted, I don't know, I guess the way I describe and I probably never even used the word strong. That's what I mean. It's like, I probably used all these other words and you were able to listen and gather, which I think is fascinating. Okay. One more question. And then we're going to dive into uh, today's topic, which is strategic branding. So Katie Selvage was on the uh, podcast uh, several episodes ago, and you did, back when she owned Cottage Hill, you did Cottage Chills branding, correct? I did, yeah. Awesome. Catherine's like done everything. She's so good. We had a conversation and she said, you know, there's been such a, I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but but the general idea was something like there had been a, a a surplus of people who were self-brand, self-name branding. And I remember when I started working with you, I said, should we do Jessica Zimmerman events? Like, should that be the name of it? Because everyone seems to be using their name. And, and 
and you were you you felt strongly and I'm so thankful that you did about just using Zimmerman because you heard me say the future I'm kind of thinking this this or this or I don't really know but I know I don't want to do weddings forever and we have now you said let's just use Zimmerman as like the main thing and then you can have a subtitle of whatever business you want to do down the road. And so uh, to this day, we have had Zimmerman events, Zimmerman education, Zimmerman podcast. My husband um, flipped houses for a while. And so we opened up an LLC called Zimmerman Home. I mean, you know, it's just, it's crazy how like on the money you are with that. And I think, you know, Katie comes from a perspective of if you're not thinking about, you know, selling your business one day, or if you're not building a business that you can sell, then are you really building a business? You know what I mean? Like, and so it's hard to build. I mean, it's hard to sell a self-named brand. And mm-hmm. so you chose to do Krim Brands. I'd love to know how you came up with that and what your opinion is right now, kind of where we are today with the self-named brand versus the non-self-named brands. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is such an interesting topic. And I feel like it's probably, I just to give people the best advice on this, I would really want to hear, you know, their specific situation. So I definitely just want to, you know, be sensitive to, I'm not going to claim I have the perfect answer for someone that's listening to this without even having heard their story or knowing anything about them. But I will say for myself, when I was picking my own business name, I wanted it to have longevity. And at the time I had just gotten married, um, which I ended up getting divorced. So thank goodness I didn't brand under, you know, my new married right. name because life took some unexpected changes for me. But of course, that was the last thing I was thinking when I was starting my company. You can't see the future, obviously. And for me, I just I wanted it to be something that um, I didn't I wanted to be the face of it, but without being completely forever tied to it, I guess. So I didn't see myself becoming like a speaker or an author, or if I ever do any of those things someday, I'll probably do it on like a side brand where I do create a personal brand. Mm -hmm. Um, But for graphic design, I wanted to have the flexibility to have a team and Mm -hmm. for that to be more of a multifaceted experience for people that if it was Catherine Joachim branding, you know, I think that would be more about maybe my logo design ability, which I think that's one of our strengths. And I love getting to offer that to people. But I also think people come to us for branding because of the way we do websites, the way we do foundational SEO, we now have a copywriter that we're partnering with. So for me, I really wanted to have kind of a boutique agency approach, as we had the opportunity to grow. Um, But also, given that I chose something that wasn't my name, I wasn't necessarily locked into that either. I could still just continue as a sole proprietor and that would be fine to be Grim Brand still. Um, I definitely, I wasn't trying to position it as like a front that, oh, we're larger than we are. I never wanted to do that. I wanted it to be a really authentic positioning, but I think you can still do that by naming something other than your given name. As long as you don't, you know, needlessly use the word we, if you don't actually have a team. Right. Absolutely. And how'd you come up with Krim? Well, at the time I was just thinking through what would really position this business in a luxury industry. So Krim obviously 
French word immediately has kind of a more high-end feel. It's a foreign word that's still really recognizable for people. You always want to be careful with that. If you do pick a company name that people aren't familiar with or don't know how to pronounce, that can be troublesome. So creme is very easy. I think everyone's heard of creme brulee or creme de la creme. Those are kind of the immediate connotations. So yeah, when you're picking a business name, think about how does this sound? Are there hard sounds in it? Is it soft? Like what kind of impression does it give people? And then what are the connotations that come to mind just with that word in our culture? And that's going to vary country to country, obviously. But um, yeah, just from like a Western perspective, obviously creme de la creme, excellence is kind of a connotation that comes up with that. So for me, that was something that was really important to me when I was first kind of drawing things up that I wanted it to be a good experience for people that really gave them a quality deliverable. And I think at the time I was seeing that people were so wonderful in how they were actually executing their work. Really, really talented people in the wedding industry who created such polished, put together days. But the way they were positioning their business and what they were capable of was not on that same level of polish. So when I started Krim, I really had the heart to make it align, to show their future clients what they were actually capable of. And so that's why I wanted that emphasis on kind of like creme de la creme type of connotation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. And I don't know if you remember you saying this to me or not, but this you when you said this to me, it, it kind of all clicked for me because I thought, well, gosh, but what if my business, what if I, I just have a feeling my business is going to change. And so I just don't know about maybe, maybe it would just be easier to use my whole name and then whatever business I do, it's fine. And you said to me, if you market correctly, I mean, everyone knows that Joanna Gaines is Magnolia. Like when you see Magnolia, you think Joanna Gaines. I don't know, just the way that you explained that. So I guess I just want to say that for people who are in the process of trying to decide what their business name is, and they're thinking, yeah, maybe I do want to set it up to sell it one day. And again, there's nothing wrong with a self-named brand. I mean, I I still have a self-named brand, half of my name, they're Zimmerman, but it's it's just, you can still be associated with your brand and it not be your name. I mean, when I think of Crim Brands, I think of you, you know what I mean? When I think of, when I used to think of Cottage Hill back when Katie owned it, I thought of Katie. So there's there's ways to to still be the face of your business and it not be your name. And I thought the way you explained that made made a lot of sense. That is such a good point about Joanna Gaines what you're saying, Jessica, that when you think of Magnolia, you think of her and yeah, you can absolutely do that. You're not bound to just your name. Your name is what you make it just like it is in life. You build your reputation. It's not just who your family is or where you come from. It's what you actually do. Same with your brand. You can have a really rock solid name that's super memorable and sexy, catchy, But if you don't actually go about marketing that in a way that works with your niche in the market, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Okay. So let's get into the topic today. Okay. So today we are talking about strategic branding. So what can you tell us about strategic branding? So a lot of times when people are starting something, I think they get so excited because they have a specific insight. They see, okay, I have all this knowledge, so I'm going to create this thing. And they're not necessarily coming at branding from the viewpoint of the person that's actually going to buy from them. 
So the person that's going to experience their service that knows nothing about floral design or about graphic design or about law or whatever type of service you have or the product that you've created, they're not going to be intimately familiar with why they even need that. And so with strategic branding, you really just want to back up and ask yourself some questions because you're so excited. You're running way ahead, imagining this whole thing. But I encourage people to take the time to dig into the deep, hard questions. So there's three things that I want you to think about with either your current brand or whatever you're starting. And the first one is, are you solving a problem that hasn't been solved before or in a totally new way? A lot of times I see people kind of doing market research, quote unquote, really they're stalking their competition and trying to crack the code for how to make some money either as a side hustle or as their full-time gig. And so competition can become the inspiration source. And while I don't think a little research is necessarily bad, I think the problem is if you're just benchmarking what other people have already done, where are you innovating? How are you taking a different approach or even just putting your stamp on something or your own perspective on a problem with your solution? So even if it's something that has been solved before, obviously there's going to be other lawyers out there. There's going to be other accountants out there, whatever you do. But how are you solving problems for people in a fresh way? So that's the first thing that you should look at. That's so good. Can I make a point real quick? Yeah. I think that it was incredible when, again, I was doing research with you for my own brand. I said, and uh, this is just me because I don't want to be like other people. <laughs> I was like, I'm not looking at any wedding sites. I'm looking, I gave you examples of I think like fashion sites. I think I sent you a couple sites of some different authors. Um, uh, but like even Rachel Zoe, who's like a fashion stylist. I was like, I just love how like clean and to the point this is and, and everything. And it was just simple and black and white and everything. I, I think it's a great idea to look at sites that are not in your industry. So if you want to get inspiration, and you're in the wedding business, like you said, if you start looking at all these other wedding sites, you're going to start going, oh, I want it to look like this. Or, oh, I see she did that. That must be the thing that gets her all those clients. And like, that's not it. You know what I mean? And then you end up just making a replica of something else. And so I think it's a great idea to get inspiration and motivation from people that you follow naturally that are in different industries. That's just my little Jessica Zimmerman tip. I love that. And I think when you do that, you're going to find more innovative websites, more current approaches to using technology well, to storytelling well. You're just going to start seeing all these different approaches. But when you just look within one industry, everything's going to start to look really similar. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, what's number two? So second, ask yourself, who am I creating this for? And am I appealing to their wants and needs? So just going back to what I was saying before, don't get so focused on yourself as the inventor or the visionary that you lose sight of the end user or the person that's going to experience this. So ask yourself, what's keeping these people up at night? What are they worried about? What are the felt needs and desires that they have? What kind of life are they dreaming of creating? And how does my service or product help them become that? Because ultimately, you're not just selling a service or product, you're really selling an idea and a culture with your brand. And so there's going to be some aspirational element to whatever you're selling, 
or some kind of felt need or desire that you're positioning with, no matter what it is. So for example, if you're selling wedding planning, I don't think you're just selling the fact that you'll have everything on a clipboard and you'll be organized. What you're selling to the actual person that's going to experience is they're able to enjoy their engagement and they are celebrating with their community or their family or friends. And it's a joyful moment. So those are a couple, I just listed like three different kind of brand positioning ideas for that. But you see what I mean? It's not just like the tangible thing you're delivering. It's the way someone experiences it and feels about it based on what they need and want. When I first started my business, I didn't have the money to pay myself, let alone pay a photographer to take pictures of my work. But let's be honest, the world we live in is so visual that if you don't have good photos, it's almost impossible to connect to clients. To save money, I would photograph my work with my phone and then spend hours editing to give them that bright professional look. I still like saving money, but more than that, I like saving time. That's why I've created my signature mobile presets to bright, clean, professional photos every time. For the first time ever, these presets are available to you. Whether you're wanting to post professional quality photos of your personal life or your work without shelling out thousands of dollars for a photo shoot, these presets are perfect for you. I use my presets all the time to spruce up pictures of me with my kids, my travel adventures, or to share what's new in my business. Go check out my Instagram account at Zimmerman underscore. You'll see professional photos and my own edited iPhone pictures, both bright and clean. It's hard to tell the difference. To see the presets in action, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash presets and get yours today. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash P-R-E-S-E-T-S. And I think that for me, I don't know if I'm rare in this case or if I'm if if everyone's like this, but I could never have a business where I don't like the branding. You know what I mean? Like I could never have a business of um, where I sold something to like six year old girls. You know what I mean? Because it would have to be like cute and pink and and I just can't get behind that. But I see why that's so important because that's all my daughter wants to look at right now is pink glitter cute stuff and but me Jessica Zimmerman I think I knew and I think that was why hiring you was so crucial is everything I was sending you was like black and hard and 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 strong bold nothing scripty nothing cutesy yet I'm trying to attract brides which is like the most feminine girly time, right? In a, in a woman's life. And, and you were able to kind of take what I wanted because I was like, I can't get behind a brand if it doesn't feel like me. So am, am I in the minority on that? Do most people go, okay, this is my ideal client and I'm going to fully brand to them. Or do you find people you work with are a little bit more like me where they're like, I've got to love the branding as well. Oh, yeah, the latter, for sure. I think it feels unnatural to try to imagine and project how someone else is going to perceive something. You really have to be like force yourself to do that. That's not just going to come naturally. So I think a lot of times the starting point for something that you're creating is going to be you as the creator in the sense that 
Your style is going to influence everything you do. These are your dreams. This is your vision. And so, yeah, your like visual tastes and clothing, interior design, all that stuff. You're not going to be able to just cut that out of branding and be like, oh, that has nothing to do with that. Disassociate. But I do think it's important to be mindful that if you're trying to attract someone that doesn't share those same tastes, just making sure that it's not turning away the people that you actually want to attract. So a brand should always either repel or attract. So just keep that in mind when it comes to your personal style. Don't let that be the sole guide. You really do want to get out of your own head a little bit and think about who you're targeting. But you're absolutely right. That's going to be the starting place for everyone. Mm, Good deal. Okay, so tell us number three. Are you trying to be everything to everyone? A lot of times when you're starting something, you're afraid of losing any business. You just want to grow this thing. You just want to work with whoever you can. And that might be fine to pay the bills, but that's not a good approach to actual branding and setting the course for your business. If you're trying to be universal, you're really not anything. So I want you to get really specific about who is this for? What specifically is this? How is it experienced? What is it used for? Instead of trying to just appeal to everyone and be kind of a one size fits all solution. Yeah, I always say a pretty logo and a dot com does not a business make. Like, you know, I mean, and so there's such a big difference between just a pretty logo and a brand. And I think, I think where we're coming from right now is. There's a lot of people, and listen, I was just there. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, Catherine and I started working together three years ago, three years ago. And so, um, wow, we've done a lot in three years. But anyway, um, (laughs) but for, gosh, that means for six years, I was doing my own branding, which was just me in, you know, Photoshop or a friend in Photoshop doing the best we could to, to make a little, uh, you know, we'd pick out a pretty font and, and do a little logo. And we did the best we could until I could hire you. But there are a lot of people out there right now that they want to go ahead and start laying the foundation of their branding, but they aren't at a place yet to hire you. And so can you just tell me, is it important whether you're starting a brand new brand or revamping an existing one to kind of take a second and ask yourself these questions? Definitely. Pull up a Google Doc, type out these questions we just went over in this podcast. I'm sure those will be in the show notes for you. And just start at least brain dumping on each of these questions. That will at least get you going in the right direction. You can definitely dive deeper into each of these three different topics that we talked about today. And you don't necessarily need to hire a strategist to do that. I think you probably have a really compelling reason for why you want to start whatever you're starting. And so you probably have a lot of these answers and it's just a matter of pulling it out of yourself. Another thing I would recommend would be to use like a voice memo or kind of a voice to text type of software. I think there's a bunch of different ones online you could try, but basically it might be easier for you to talk about it. And so if the value of hiring a strategist or a coach is just that they force you to answer things, you can definitely force yourself just by making yourself like talk about it. Sometimes if you're a verbal processor, that might be really helpful. You might be more of a writer and it might be better for you to 
make an outline and then write full sentences. That might be more of your mind style, but find what works for you. What feels like there's the least resistance in the actual method because the method doesn't matter. What matters is the message you get out of it. So make it easy for yourself and you can totally do this. And then when you've established your business, you have some revenue coming in, then it's time to reinvest. That's when you're also going to have a practical idea of just confirmation of, is this the right business strategy? Does this seem to be having an appeal in the market? What you don't want to do is invest a ton of capital in something that you haven't actually tested in the market. So there's different ways you can do that. But if you do a soft launch where you kind of do things yourself to get started with, keep it simple, then you're going to just have so much insight to bring to the table when you do go through a full branding process like Jessica did. Yeah. I, I also remember when we were writing the copy for the Zimmerman Events website on the on the wedding site. I am a verbal processor. Catherine knows that. I, I do not do good with worksheets. I'm a verbal processor. And basically I had to do just that. I had to I got a I got a voice recorder out and I basically just pretended that I had a client in front of me and like how would I talk to them? And it was just things like listen, I know you need visual proof that I'm good at what I do. So here it is, you know, and that's like actually how my copy comes across and because it's got to reflect who you are. So yeah, I think that that's actually super helpful is to just, if you are a verbal processor, just start talking and record it and it's, the answers are going to come out. They really will. Catherine, thank you so much. We are going to um, see you next time and we're going to talk about branding your business with color. Before we leave, go ahead and tell everybody if if they are at a point where they're like, you know what, I just I just need to hire Catherine. Where do they find you and how can they follow you and all that good stuff? Well, I would love to connect with you. You can find us at crimbrands.com or at crimbrands on Instagram. And I try to post a lot of free tips and tutorials. So no matter where you're at in your process with this, hopefully there's going to be stuff of value to kind of walk you through this process on your own or when you are ready to work with us we would love to just chat about getting a plan together that's tailored to you perfect okay great love that um okay well we will see you guys next time thanks thanks for tuning in to this episode of zimmerman podcast make sure you listen to all the episodes in this mini series with my branding expert and friend Catherine Jo Wakeham of Krim Brands. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about tricks behind branding with color, font, and questions you can ask yourself to find brand clarity. And remember, we are just a few short weeks away from the launch of my memoir, Sleeping with a Stranger. If you love listening to this podcast, you've got to get the audiobook. It's narrated by yours truly and will be available May 1st. So mark your calendars. I'll see you next time on Zimmerman Podcast. If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.